0: Hey, everyone.
1: Hi, Alex.
0: Hey, Liza. So, before we start the show, we have a big announcement we're all extremely excited about. A new producer is joining us on the Growth Connie podcast, Liza Maywald. Hey, guys.
1: And just to be clear, we're adding another producer, not dumping the old one.
0: Yes. I'll still be around and look at how we can make the podcast even better. So, if you've got some suggestions, we would love to hear from you hit us up at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. So Liza, let's take it away.
1: What's up marketers and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony podcast. I'm Liza from XGrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about the yeses and nos to achieving those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X Growth, and today I'm talking to Karina Guerra, Group GM for Customer Intelligence and Marketing at Xref, about how should marketing leaders set themselves up for success when dealing with chief financial officers specifically at their own company when it comes to showing roi asking for budget and more on that note let's dive in karina thanks for joining us
3: i'm so excited to be here thank you for the invite
2: no absolute pleasure absolute pleasure i mean this is a this is a big conversation and i think sometimes it feels that marketing and finance are sitting at the two polar opposites of the table where one side might be creative and the other side is extremely objective and number driven. Let's start with fundamentals and the foundation. What what, what is the foundation for showing mar- marketing contribution? What is what marketing is contributing to the business and and how can for marketers how can they start building that foundation?
3: Well, I love your question. I feel that that story has changed in the past five years. Marketers, we are no longer the creative person doing pretty things. We are much more involved in the data space than many other areas in the organization. So I think that has been a big shift, particularly in my case. I always want to go to the source of the truth and that sits in the data, right? So I, I really like your questions because what is, the foundation. Well, I believe that the foundation, if you want to make a shift in the organization, it really has to come from the top. It is not something that a marketer can wake up with the idea and then go and try to show the entire organization the value of the work. Going back to what we were saying before, it has to be a change in the perception of marketing. It is not just doing pretty things. And I truly believe that if we want to take it further, it's not even a conversation in terms of budget and how how much money is giving me this dollar that i am investing in mature organizations are really looking at what customers want and need and therefore once you start paying attention to the needs of your customers then you can kind of start measuring the contribution of the marketing activities to to the business
2: let's break that down a little bit right so you're, you're saying focus on on the customer and put metrics around what is important to the customer and then reflect that to the wider team. Is that is that what you're suggesting?
3: Yeah, I think that is one of the key components in today's age.
2: Okay, okay. Let's talk about the opposite. What are some of the things that marketers should not be talking about, especially when it comes to, again, showing the contribution of marketing and dealing with the CFO? What are some of the things that it's like, a no, no. Like in your experience, you found that you, you really shouldn't have that approach and you need to kind of pivot from from certain, certain way of communication, certain presenting certain type of data. What are some of the things that comes to mind from that angle?
3: So let's talk about B2B marketing, right? So I feel that when you work in a team with marketers, your language tends to be using the lingo all the time. So you are looking at cost per click, CPC, SEO, and we do this naturally and everybody understands us. It makes sense that we talk like this. When you go to your CFO, no, that's that's a no. That language will not take you anywhere. And um, have you read the book of um, Five Languages of Love? <laughs> I think that we really I've need- heard
2: of the book. I haven't read it, but I've heard of the book and I love where you're going with this. <laughs>
3: So I I really feel that you need to be talking the language of love of finance. What it is very hard for marketers, right? Because we love the talking and finance only speaks one language, and that language is money, right? Dollars. (laughs) So when it comes to speaking the same language, it really becomes a difficult conversation because what marketing does, and again, back to the same point, it is not just a value of, of dollars. For example, And this is part of my regular conversations. In in marketing, we do a lot of branding activities and those actions have to be taken. You cannot measure in terms of ROI, how much money is bringing back to the organization by branding activities. But it is something that we need to continue doing. So in my experience, what we have to do so we can speak the same language and it may not be the language of love all the time for the finance, we need to agree on metrics that we want to measure. So then we remove all the lingo, all the marketing jargon. And then we kind of start looking at at the metrics that finance cares about, but also with the touch from marketing when we explain or have explained before why this is important. Or a section of your budget, for example, may not be able to be measured in terms of ROI. I can talk about this like for ages, but I think when you have a lead generation campaign, you can measure exact dollars in, how much money you put in there, how many leads you were aiming for. And then you can go and divide cost per lead. You can go into ROI, but for other activities, you will not be able to measure it in a exact number, but it still needs to be added to your conversation. So I believe that the solution is to agree beforehand what those metrics are, and then you can report on them constantly because finance likes that finance needs context like is this giving me a better perception in the customer mm. i let you continue because i can talk for how,
2: <laughs> how do you no 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 this is good this is a good topic and and you know you talked about how when it comes to branding hey there's not going to be any ri at least there's not going to be any immediate ri that it's easily measurable so how how do you have that conversation do you do you think that it really needs to be a buy-in from the ceo for the ceo to come and say hey i get this we don't need to see roi we need to do branding work but we don't need to see roi for the ceo to kind of um uh, chip in to support marketing in front of finance do you think it is 100% marketing's job? How you know? How do you kind of set that expectation with the finance team that th- these these buckets of work are not going? We're not going to be able to show you ROI.
3: I think it is an education process, and it also comes from your previous work. You have been collecting data for a while. Uh, To give you some examples, I know that in my lead generation activity that I run, specific campaigns will be low-hanging fruit, like more bottom-of-the-funnel type of lead generation, but I know that I need to maintain these other activities. So, based on the data from the past two and a half years, then I can have these conversations at the beginning of the financial year, and then we can define expect ROI from this section of the budget this additional budget cannot be measured in ROI. Mm -hmm. I recently attended a conference in marketing analytics and Jeremy, um, CMO of Telstra, he was showing his pyramid on how they also have like branding at the top of the pyramid and then at the bottom of the pyramid, they have budget for campaigns and that everybody in Telstra, for example, and I like to say Telstra because it is a huge organization. Everybody knows, when there's marketing activities running, which part of the triangle that marketing activity belongs to. So this is why we go back to how do we solve this problem? I think first we need to understand it internally in the team, what is what you are doing, and then you need to communicate it. I think if you are clear in what the goals are, it will be easier to get a secure budget for those activities that may not necessarily be measured in terms of ROI. Okay.
2: When it comes to ROI, do you usually, you know, is your language usually just leads to the sales team, to, to the sorry, to the finance team? And you're saying, hey, we ran this, uh, maybe activate, let's call it activation campaign, and these are the leads that we got. Is that the only measure that you kind of communicate with the finance team, or, or are there other things that you, you talk about?
3: No, I think CFOs, especially, they really care about... ROI like the big metrics I hmm. made an investment in this campaign what is the return right what is again back to language of love what's the dollar factor associated with it but especially in B2B I think we need to be very conscious that um, life cycles could be very long so yes yeah, so how do you deal with while.
2: that exactly
3: it may take a while for you to see what that ROI is. So there are some metrics and it depends on where the organizations are. I have worked for different organizations. When these concepts are very new, I suggest that you start measuring leads, for example, because you are going through this journey of educating. right? So if you started from zero, lead is a good concept to introduce. And then from there, you can start moving um, the needle into bringing new metrics. Again, we have to be very careful because you don't want to start adding the MQLs and the SQLs, and then we start talking about languages that nobody understands except for mm. marketing. Um, yeah. So then you need to define different ways. It depends on how you do it, because it is a difficult topic and difficult to, to measure it. For example, at XREF, we are lucky to have software that could identify uh, attribution models, so we can get to see like bigger picture. Again, in B2Bs, It is not like one person clicks on one of your ads and that person converts. It's a a journey. So I think that is one of the biggest challenges that we have in in marketing, that we need to show the entire journey and the bigger picture rather than just one. It's not click, (laughs) lead, sale.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that approach of yours and i usually tell people or you know people who kind of work with us through our agency that it's really important to set expectation in three different stages whenever you're doing something you got your short-term metrics you got your 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 medium-term metrics and you got your long-term metrics and in a lot of situations revenue is in that long-term component because just like you said right nine months in and uh and uh Sales cycle might be nine months, and and CFO is like, all right, month three, where is where is the revenue? So setting that expectation is is really important. Are are there any other metrics that you find that are key for you when when you uh, in in those kind of mid mid term and long term uh, metrics that you report to the CFO? Is it kind of like pipeline? Is it just you straight go to revenue that is generated? Um, ha- what are some of the KPIs that you look at? in those stages of, um, of customer or prospect journey?
3: Well, I think that everybody is, is different in, in the business, in, in their own businesses, right? At XREF, we are an online platform for HR. So our customer, or the customer who buys from us is someone in an organization. But then because we have multiple stakeholders, we could have potential candidates applying for a job who somehow interact with our platform, also interacting with us. So for us, it is really important to understand the satisfaction of multiple stakeholders. So I think it is linking it back to what we were saying before. When you get to maturity in your digital activities, it is not just a measurement of ROI because you could have a successful campaign that is bringing you a lot of leads and maybe a lot of sales for this particular period, but you need to be looking all the time that your customers are satisfied so another important metric is what our customers are saying and it may not be the customers who are buying from us it could be the stakeholders that are involved with our platform so candidates referees then we are looking at how how these surveys what is, what our customers in general, not necessarily the ones that are buying from us, are saying about their platform, are they satisfied? I think that is very important and not many organizations are doing it. Many organizations are just looking at what's the revenue, what's my pipeline, how much am I going to say, how far am I from my objectives, from my financial objectives? But if you don't look at all the other metrics, then those will be affected.
2: Yeah, you're, the you're missing the point. You're missing the point, okay. So we're talking a lot about data and I think it's worth for us talk about how do you get the data and, and where do you kind of start? I mean, you talked about a little bit about tech and, and, you know, attribution softwares and things like that. So where should marketers start with gathering the data that is needed for their reporting um, and the analysis of the ROI analysis? Where, where should they start in your opinion?
3: I think every organization is different, and all companies are at different stages. Last week, I attended um, a, a very good session with around twelve marketers in Australia. We were discussing digital maturity, right? So we all came to the conclusion that we are digitally mature when customer says so. When the customer experience is that good, that then we can be considered mature. To what I deferred, because I said, we will always be behind, depending on the budget or resources that you have at your organization. Like if we compare to what Facebook is doing or wants to do with their meta, um, we could be miles away from what they are doing or what they will be doing. But if we define what we want to do, then we can work towards that. And then we become more mature. I feel like I said, that in my attribution models, we're very mature. I say it, and then my, my partners such as Adobe and Visible say, you guys are doing a really good job. But then I attended a conference last week where Cochlear was saying that they have 16 people in their attribution model team. Um, so, you know, so it's comparing yeah. your, your maturity to someone else's that could be far away from, you, from where you are. So I feel that the solution to that question for data is start with what you have because we are all collecting data somehow. We all have a website. so we know that in there there's a lot of things that we haven't even had time to look at. Um, we know who we are selling to, who is returning product, who is not happy. Let's just start with what we have and then from there you can kind of start building the gaps for me the key questions that i always want to know is what is working and what isn't so those are the type of data gaps that i always want to close is do we have a system a report something that could tell me that because for me those are the two priorities if there's Mm -hmm. something that you are doing well you can replicate it and do more of that that it is working and you are doing something that isn't working stop it or tweak it as soon as you can. Um, it. So start with the data that you have, and then later you can go into dashboards and an attribution team and all that, but have your basics score.
2: Karina, tell me, what are some of the tools that you, if, when it comes to reporting, that you can't live without?
3: My Salesforce.
2: Okay, <laughs> <And> Salesforce <laughs> is on the list.
3: Salesforce and Marketo, those are my two. And I believe that every company, especially in the b2 b space should have at least a CRM and a marketing uh, tool that they talk to each other
2: and you talked about visible at some point is that is that also another another part of the the, the tool stack that you use for your reporting
3: so visible is um, market to now
2: part like of Marketo yeah they, they bought them
3: um, and yes visible is able to give me information that no other platform or system can give me, especially in the multi touch attribution. Yeah. Because Visible really tells me what campaign generated the lead. Like it goes so granular. I have tried, I have been lucky to work for organizations that have invested in attribution models. But so far, like my Visible is like you want to go to the source of, like, especially in these accounts, B- B2B have multiple touch points. You can really share the story and see, not guessing. Now, with the Google AdWords cookie tracking, is my budget delivering results or not? Mm. I think Visible has been great for us.
2: Awesome. Awesome. All right. The other question that I wanted to ask is, can you give some examples of how you approach reporting and securing budget from the CFO?
3: Yes. Well, again, I think that this is a journey, right? Because we are all learning together. And marketing has a lot of work to do in terms of education. Like my finance team would love to have a report that I can possibly pull out. And another important factor that comes into place is also the relationship um, from marketing and sales. So when we work together, then we are able to provide a better story for sales. If sales isn't happy. Yeah, yeah, for finance, Mm. sorry. Yes for finance, right? Because then the ultimate um, team that is judging the efforts or the activities that marketing is following, I would say is more sales than mm. marketing. If, if marketing is doing well, sales is happy. If, <laughs> if marketing isn't doing well, fi- sales has already told finance <laughs> before the reports comes in, right? So. Having that relationship, I think it is important. When it comes to reporting, I believe that we have to go to my point number one, agree on those metrics early. So when you report and then you check the reports constantly, I think it is a really good exercise in my opinion. Uh, Some people don't like that um, they have to be accountable to another team. I like it because the job that finance has is to challenge us and they have very good questions. And sometimes with those questions, then I can see things that I would not be able to see myself. So when you look at the same report, the same people over and over, then you kind of miss the picture. But then if finance mm-hmm. comes and says, well, I can see that the number of rejected leads is growing in, in this country. We recently had that, that scenario, for example, in, in emerging markets then we could identify that maybe that market is not ready for our product yet because then what we are paying for is spam leads, right? But if I haven't had those conversations, and if you just go for the leads number, then you go, well, my leads are growing, right? (laughs) But then once you measure, well, yes, they're growing, but they are not good quality.
2: Um, Yes, half of them are Russian bots.
3: Yeah, it is time to make a decision. And I think that's a very important point as well. Uh, that we may not have time for but when you define your targets and your metrics you really need to be careful on not just serving those targets because you know the story some organizations work on hitting the target because based on that target depends the bonus of certain
2: that's it um, that's team it
3: players i think that's a dangerous space to be in
2: mm-hmm. yeah and they hit, hit their targets but the company doesn't make any money
3: exactly exactly
2: that's a, that's a good point i I find it really interesting that you you said the reporting really improved when you start to establish that sales alignment uh, sales and marketing alignment how was it can can would it be it might be a little bit tricky to do so but how was it before and after you know like how was the reporting done and and what was the situation like before that alignment you know you and the team start working on that sales and marketing alignment versus before and I know this is tricky because you might say oh you know thank goodness from from early on there was a lot of alignment in the organization but you know is there anything that you can add to that that before and after kind of situation?
3: So I think we really went into this digital mode when COVID hit It is when I started working at at XREF and that was kind of my mission, but I always say that that mission was easily accomplished because of the market conditions, right? So we were all in lockdown. The only way for us to generate leads and start having conversations was through the digital channels. So then everybody has to do the right thing. And if you want to get more budget from finance, we need to go and say, well, the budget that we are investing is working. Uh, here are the numbers, right? If we don't get the feedback, the way I see it is that if sales gives you the feedback on the quality of the leads by actioning them, rejecting them, contacting them, marking them as rejected, uh, then we have a story to build and then we can go and request for more budget. If we are like not seeing what's happening, then how is finance going to trust the exercise and release more budget?
2: No, that's a great point. That's a great point. All right. Now, I have a couple of rapid fire questions that I want to ask you. But before we dive into that, is there anything else that you would like to cover about this topic, about talking to CFOs, showing ROI, getting securing budget? Is there anything else that you think, maybe I didn't ask, that uh, you think is worth covering?
3: I was having a conversation with now. Arnal- GM of revenue. She was saying that how important it would be. So I I am lucky and I attend a lot of workshops, seminars. I get to learn a lot from experts in the industry. But every time I go, (laughs) I feel like I wish my CFO could be listening to this. I, I think that somehow, and it links back to what we have said before, in marketing, we still need to educate. So what can we do? And I think that's a question for us in the B2B space. So not only marketers are the ones who understand the specific topic, trend, or challenge. I feel that now we will be changing a lot of challenges in the B2B space uh, with all the changes to cookies and things like that. Plus, <laughs> it's important to say that our report, all these metrics are always skewed. I have been talking to people in many different organizations. We had COVID. For two years where some markets got to thrive and others fail so it is hard for us to, to measure it to previous mm, years yes right? yes so i think those those reporting gaps plus the changes in the industry will throw a lot of challenges and we will only be able to survive if we also share um what we have been learning with other stakeholders that may not be so keen to attend like a three days workshop in in marketing
2: analytics (laughs) so got it got it okay all right let's do rapid fire questions that was that was a that was a solid final point on that so thanks for sharing that so the first question i have is what is one resource this can be a blog or a book a podcast or a talk that has fundamentally changed um, the way you either work or you live, and had a had a big impact on you. Does anything come to mind?
3: I don't think it was one resource. I got the opportunity to work for Marketo seven years ago as a consultant. So I was um, in charge of onboarding customers on how to use technology. So that changed my life completely because then I became the product. <laughs> um, so because I was consulting, then customers were charged by hour for my services. So I had to be so good for the customers to be happy to pay for my services. And I think in, in that journey, I was able to work for Helen Doe and the way how she would work with her team and want us all to thrive, give us all the tools. Like if we had a gap, if a customer complained of something from anybody in the team, she would go and find resources, tools, training, for us to work on that specific gap so we could thrive. So I think that changed the way I operate in my entire life. Pretty much learned that nobody's perfect and there will always be gaps. So go and work in in that gap and always try to be the best on you that you you could be.
2: I love it. Okay. Question number two. If you could only give one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would it be?
3: I think that in in marketing in general, there's always so many things that we can do, and we tend to feel like we never have all the resources, right? We don't have the team that we wish that could write all this amazing content that we would like to write, uh, or, or we don't have this budget to go and run this campaign. I think prioritize, define what is going to give you the highest value and then you can concentrate on one specific thing when you truly believe and also try to back it up with data that that will bring results
2: i love it question number three who are some of the influencers in this space that that you follow
3: so in i have been doing digital marketing for many many years i think before it even had a name so i have been following In the digital space, he's very good at uh, working with attribution models, so that's one person that I follow. He's got like 250,000 followers on LinkedIn. I also follow Veronica Holmes, she's an Australian market expert. I work with her and she's amazing. She's so passionate about marketing tech. I follow her.
2: Got it, got it. Well. That's uh, that's that's awesome. We'll definitely put these uh, these people in the in the show notes. Last thing is, what is something that excites you about B two B today?
3: Well, I think that we are all pushed to to be doing a great job when it comes to content production. Our content really needs to be amazing because we are competing against like the force of the world, right? When it comes to producing content, it excites me. Um, we have been seeing all these changes in privacy. Mm. The data has not been really protected. And as a user, that really, I don't like that. I don't like that everybody can have my data. So I think this is moving into a trust stage where we all really need to be showing and doing our very best to take care of the data and being creative on how we communicate to people because now we will not longer be able to use third-party data. We want to communicate to people we will need to have permissions so what do you do what do you offer to get that permission from someone to contact them?
2: Got it. Got it. Karina, this has been an awesome conversation and I think you' you've shared a lot of great things about attribution, about showing ROI and and a lot more. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time.
3: It's been a pleasure thank you.
0: We just dropped the first in-depth study into account-based marketing in the region. We surveyed more than 50 senior APAC marketing practitioners to uncover ABM usage, motivations, benefits, and pain points across the Asia Pacific region. We provide actionable insight, optimization techniques, and solutions to key pain points identified in the survey. The State of Account-Based Marketing APAC report is an invaluable guide B2B marketers seeking to harness the power of ABM. Get your copy today at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Or you can just hit the link in the podcast description to get your copy.
1: Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Sumido with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make this show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, director of growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just interested in a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com Dot au That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.